Yeah, so good. I gotta be honest with you, I was I was watched that the Foster family there, and I feel guilty because I came in here today feeling really sorry for myself because I have a puppy that's out of control. And I'm, I I feel better about my life now. It's like their life is hard. Hey, listen, we have foster care families in this room or one of our campuses right now. Can we just encourage them and celebrate them for what they do right now? Let's go. Come on. So good. Yeah. And I jump into this. Um, for the, we're going to be in John chapter 14. If you have a Bible with you uh, or an app, find John chapter 14. I got to tell you right up front before we even get into this, uh, you're going to walk out of here today with one of two responses. Some of you are going to love the teaching today. You're going to walk out of here. And the reason you're going to love it is you're going to be able to look back and go, that saved my life or an important part of my life because I actually leaned into it and I put it into practice. And, I, I, and looking back, it's like, because of what God taught me that day, it saved my life. some of you are going to hate it. Because here's why, you're gonna look back and go, I wish that I had put that into practice in my life because now it feels like it's too late. So I'm just saying, make up your mind. You're gonna love it, you hate it, whatever. But lean into it because I believe God wants to teach something really important today. Okay, not at me, at least this room, not. Okay, thank you, all right, right. So I wanna continue this Word of the Wise series. We're working our way through some passages found in, in, in like key passages in the book of Proverbs. And we're gonna get to that in, in a few minutes. But what, what we're finding as we work through Proverbs, and it's right in the middle of your Bible, that when you read through it at first, a lot of what you read there sounds like poetry or theological, or even mystical words. But as we dig into these Proverbs, these sayings, all right, we find them to be very, very practical, as in this is what it looks like to to live and to make choices that are, and here it is, wise, that lead to a life that God designed us, and deep down inside, some of us have given up on it, we want to live that kind of life, we do. And one of the, here's one of the things that I'm finding when it comes to wisdom stuff like that. The older I get, right? That just, that sounds like an old man thing to say. But the, the, the more time I uh, older I get, the more time I spend with God. The longer that I am married to Robin, as I as I watch my children get older and my grandchildren get older, as I look back over like four decades of being a pastor, when I start looking back at my, and we all do this sometimes, and I look back at some of my my biggest mistakes. Right, but my biggest regrets, uh, my most shameful moments, sins. Right, right. I can honestly say, and I think all of us would be on the same page here. I, I don't think that any of them started with an intentional. I know what's right. I know what's wrong, and I'm going to choose what's wrong. That wasn't. I just didn't think about that. No, for me, looking back, it wasn't so much a matter of is this right or is this wrong, but more so, is this wise or is it not wise. And again, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I'm, I'm really good at, at seeing something that I want. I want to do that. I want to have that. And so what I do is I start rehearsing in my mind what it would look like and feel like to do that or have that. Anybody else? Right? And, and I tell myself, okay, as I move closer towards it, it's not that big of a deal. It's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to hurt anybody. And technically, it's not wrong. Lots of people do stuff like this. And, and I just tell myself, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. One time, right? One time. I'm just going to dip my toe in the water, and then I'm going to get back to, to living a, a better life. I'm just going to try this out for a minute. How many of our, I'll just talk in my, how many of my biggest regrets started with, I'm just going to do this thing one time, and then I'll be right back? Anybody relate to that? But something happened. Something happened that one time, and it kind of took on a life of its own. We told ourselves, I just want to have that, but now it has me. Anybody been there? See, nobody walks up to a person at the gym or the office and says, hey, you want to start something that'll probably most likely end in a custody battle over my kids. None of us went in there thinking that, but that's what happened. 
Nobody orders a second drink or a third drink or fires up a little weed and thinks, you know, okay, this will probably end in a ten dollars to $25,000 in fine court costs for the DUI when I get pulled over. Nobody, none of us thought about that. But that's what happened, right? So, so is drinking wrong? Is smoking weed wrong? Maybe that's not even the right question. How about this? Given your life and what's at stake and what's going on in your life right now, is it wise or unwise? Not so much is it right or wrong. Is it wise or unwise? We, we have a whole list. We can keep going. Should I buy that or not buy that? Should I, should I go there or not go there? Should I say yes or should I say no? Many times you could build a case and be right that technically it's not wrong. It's not even a sin. But, but down the road, looking back, how many times can we put a finger on a point in our life and go, I know when it started. I made a really unwise choice. Solomon writes this in Proverbs, and, and, and we talked about this last week. If something's in there more than once, you should pay attention to it. It's in there twice, word for word. Look, he says this, there is a way that seems right. And when we see right, it's not wrong. It's not bad, right? There's a way that seems right to a person, right? But its end is the way to death. It, it, it felt like it's no big deal. Now, now, now here's the thing, if we were honest, when we were deciding what we're gonna do in this wise or unwise decision, all right? There, it might've just been for a brief moment, some little alarm went off in our heads, right? Some little alarm went off in our mind, a little voice that says, don't, 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 don't do that, don't, all right, this is bad, run. You should run. Do not pass go, run, all right? And then we have a choice to make, all right? Do you remember that old cartoon? I don't know if anybody under 30 is going, I don't know what you're talking about, but old people, do you remember? Hey, do you remember that old cartoon where a person has a little angel sitting on one shoulder with wings and a little devil with a little pitchfork? Everybody remember that? Okay, so I'm not totally, all right? And, and they're whispering in the guy's ear, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And eventually the guy, eventually, um, he reaches up and he just flicks one of them off, all right? And it's usually... He goes with the devil because the little angel is a party pooper, right? And, and, and the little guy didn't want to have any fun and angels are boring, but, but devils promise fun and excitement and who doesn't want to have fun and excitement? So angel, there you go, here, let's go party. What is that? What is that alarm that's going off when we have a choice to make? Obviously, we don't have a little angel and a little devil sitting on our shoulders, that's a cartoon, but what is going on every time, even for a brief moment? Well, Solomon... The writer of Proverbs, he wouldn't call it, you got an angel and a devil sitting on your shoulder. He would say it's wisdom versus foolishness. And they're in a tug of war in your life. Jesus would call it, well, he wouldn't even call it an it. He would say it's a he. Jesus would call that alarm, that voice saying, run, run, run. He would say that's the Holy Spirit. And it's Holy Spirit versus how I feel. So if you have your Bible, we're gonna look at the Holy Spirit today. I want you to turn to John chapter 14. And as you're finding that, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back of all of our auditoriums, right? Let me kind of set up what, what's happening with Jesus here. It's just a little while before he's arrested and crucified. He dies on a cross and he's resurrected on the third day. And Jesus knows that he will soon be returning to his father. And so he's trying to prepare his followers for a day when he physically won't be with them. And as he tells them, I'm leaving, he can tell that they're really troubled. Like they're freaking out at the idea of not having Jesus physically right there telling them what to do. So Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse one. He says, so let not your hearts be troubled. So don't be afraid. Believe in God, believe also in me. Here's the promise. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be 
also. So Jesus tells him, I'm leaving for a while, but I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will come back and then we will be together for, forever. And their response is, no. Bad idea, no, we vote no, don't leave, all right? Like, like what will we do between now and when you come back? How are we gonna make it, all right? And in their minds, they're thinking, we don't even do this well when you're physically right here. What are we gonna do when you're gone, right? And that makes sense, right? Doesn't it feel like it would just be better if Jesus was right here with you, like physically, like at your house or go to work with you, all right? Like, like you're at a party, right? And you're, and you're about to order a, a drink and you know you have to drive home, all right? And just before you order, Jesus goes, uh, no, no, cut him off. He has to drive home. I'm like, okay, Jesus, let's go, right? So, or how about, let me talk to the lady. Like, so you finally got this date with this great guy, right? And he drives you home, he's sitting in the, in the driveway and he kisses you goodnight. It's just so special. But then he busts another move, tries to get to another base. And you look, you go like, uh, why, 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 can't, why? And then you look in the back seat and there's Jesus. <laughs> wouldn't, you're, wouldn't, you're, wouldn't that just be easier? Well, it's the same way as these people in the Bible are thinking, Jesus, if you would just stay with us, stay in the car with us, all right? Physically, we will get in a lot less trouble. But Jesus is about to show them that why him leaving physically is actually better than him staying. So Jesus teaches them this, down in verse 15. If you love me, you can keep my commandments. Here it is. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Helper, and you have your Bible underline helper because it can be translated as an advocate, someone in your corner, a counselor. He's going to tell you, what to do. and that paraclete there is really interesting. That's a Greek word that actually is in the scripture there. And when a ship came into a harbor and needed help, another ship would come out, lash itself to it, and the two of them would find safe harbor. He says, "I'm, I'm going to send someone, a helper, who's going to come up beside you and get you to safety, right? To be with you forever." Verse 17. Now look. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it, the world, neither sees the spirit of truth nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be, what's the next word? In. Underline that. He will be not with you. He'll be in you. So here's what Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit of truth. If you're taking notes, take pictures or write this down, okay? First, the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. He's part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. It's He, all right? Also, the Holy Spirit is a gift promised to us by God, the Father. Why? To help us, all right? To help us. Why is the Holy Spirit here? To help us. Next, the Holy Spirit dwells or lives with and in every person who believes. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in you. Well, I don't feel him. Well, pay attention. He's there. That's what we're going to look at today, right? Next, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is always going to say, this is, this is true. This is true. This is true. That's not true. This, this is true, right? This is true. Now, let's go on. Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, we'll talk about that in a minute, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever, whoever, has my, whoever has my words and keep them, right? He it, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him, you, and manifest, like make myself known to, to you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I promise, even though I'm physically leaving, I'm gonna make myself known to you. And then one of the disciples goes, how? How are you gonna make yourself known to us and not to the world? Like basically, how are you gonna help us if you're not here? Verse 25. 
These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that's why we pray in Jesus' name, right? He'll send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So two more things about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you what is true. I'll, te I'll teach you everything you know is true. And the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what Jesus has said to you. You might not have thought about what Jesus thought, said to you for years, and at the right moment, the Holy Spirit's gonna bring back, this is what Jesus said. Again, now Jesus has just said, I'm leaving, but I will send you the Holy Spirit who will guide you, lead you, help you, remind you of what I have said and what I've taught you is true until I get back. Okay, when? When? When does the Holy Spirit come? Skip ahead a few weeks after Jesus has, has been crucified. He's resurrected from the dead. He's now ascended back to heaven. Right before he goes back to heaven, he gets all his followers and says, I want you to stay right here until I keep my promise. I'm gonna send a spirit, right? That happens on a Jewish holiday called the day of Pentecost. And Peter, who just a few weeks before this, ran every time anybody asked me if he even knew Jesus, he's now filled with the Holy Spirit. He preaches the first sermon ever, fills them and gives him the courage and the words to, 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 to preach. And thousands of people ask this question, I, what, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to have my sins forgiven? What do I need to do to be connected to God? And here's what Peter says to them. He says, you gotta repent. You gotta, you gotta rethink everything. You gotta change your mind about your life. I don't want my life to be about this anymore. So repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Here it is, for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now please hear this, okay? Because a lot of Christians only take about half of that verse. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and about a thousand of you got symbolized that by obedience of baptism back on Easter, in that moment, you are forgiven of all sin, past, present, and the one you haven't even committed yet. It's called grace, right? Your condemnation is permanently removed, but please hear this, okay? Forgiveness is the starting line, not the finish line. You follow me? It's the starting line. Once condemnation is taken off of you, we were just saying about it, my chains are broken, right? I'm not, I'm not dead anymore. I've been, I've been raised to life. Now I'm able to move forward in following Jesus and living a life that sin had made it impossible for me in the past. I was addicted. I was chained. It's all I knew. How is that possible? Because when you are forgiven, whatever separated you from God, whatever chained you to your past, imprisoned you, it held you back, has been broken God himself has removed it and God has given you his own Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus promised to be given to you to guide you in truth and following what Jesus said was right and true and wise in any situation that you find yourself in. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you and he'll teach you. Paul writes that when God, Paul's a big writer of the, of the New Testament, right? he, he says when God puts his spirit in you, with God's spirit comes God's wisdom. Wisdom that a non-believer, so, so if you're a Christian, you're kind of in a, a special group here because a non-believer doesn't have access to that wisdom, but you do, through the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Paul writes this to some people who live in a town called Corinth, right? He says this, for the foolishness of God is wiser than, than men, when people, all right? And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Meaning this, as a Christian, there is a, this is gonna sound kind of mystical, because it is. As a Christian, there is... There's a wisdom that's gonna come to you from God through the Spirit that will make it possible for you to supernaturally know this is what I need to do. 
God, God will tell you in, in your heart, in your mind, this is, what you need. this is what needs to happen. You need to run. You need to run this way. You need to run whatever that. And to someone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit of Christ living in them, when you say, this is what I'm gonna do, it won't make sense. They'll even call what you're doing foolishness. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? In any area of life, why do you parent like that? Why do you express your sexuality like, why don't you pursue your sexuality like that, right? That's crazy, that's foolish. And your response is gonna be, I just know. I just know this is what God's telling me to do. Now, let's go back to the book of Proverbs. What's that look like in our lives today? This is gonna sound really familiar. The prudent, the wise person sees danger and hides himself. But the simple, the foolish person go on and they suffer for it. The wise person says, oh, that's, that's bad. Let's, let's get out of here. The foolish person says, no big deal. And they suffer for it. And Solomon is writing hundreds of years before Jesus fulfills how that's gonna be accomplished, but it's the same truth. A person who has the Holy Spirit of Christ living in them will encounter something in life and supernaturally God will go, get away. It's just wrong. I don't have to explain myself. Get in the car and drive away. It's dangerous. And sometimes it will be obvious and the spirit will bring to mind something Jesus said. Go, that's wrong. That's bad. That's dangerous. That's a sin. Get as far away from possible. Sometimes it's right there in God's word. Sometimes you'll sense it from God's spirit. But here's what I found. Sometimes God's spirit speaks to the closest person in your life. For me, that's Robin. God speaks to me through my wife all the time. More than I want to admit. (laughs) I can give you dozens and dozens of examples. I'll give you one that Robin and I were talking about this week. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I was living back in Kentucky and, and I was at this church and as a youth pastor, you stay there at weird hours doing all this kind of stuff, right? And I was working late at night at church and all the other leaders had, had gone home except this one girl, and we'll call her Cindy. Cindy, if you're watching, that's a made up name. Okay, so anyway, so, so it's just me in this dark church building and Cindy, she hung around, all right? Nothing happened, but a few minutes later, Robin came walking into the room where we were working and she had this look on her face and it was... It wasn't good. It wasn't. So it's like, oh, hey, babe. And she's like, hey. And so anyway, we get in the car and we ride. And about halfway home, it's quiet. And finally, Robin goes, that's not good. I'm like, what? She goes, Cindy. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't trust her. And I'm like, oh, come on. She's, she's a nice person. She's one of our leaders. And then I looked over at Robin and, her, and, her, and what was on her face. And I decided I should stop talking now. Anybody have that look? It's like, I should, Holy Spirit just told me to shut up. All right, right? Ron's Rob, like, listen, Jim, listen, I tell you, I just feel it. The moment I walked into the room, she started acting weird, and then she got out of there as quickly as possible. And I didn't see it, because I'm stupid. I'm just not paying attention. I'm like, okay, whatever. Right? Rob's Rob like, and you know what? Later, we found out Robin was right. She didn't have any information. She just had right, a feeling. Later, we found out that Cindy had a, a history of inappropriate relationships that I knew nothing about. Robin was not being a jealous wife. The Holy Spirit lives in Robin and spoke to Robin, and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me through Robin because I wasn't paying attention. Some of you are going, that's ridiculous. That's overreacting. That's foolish. All right. But running after the foolishness of God instead of what the world calls no big deal has kept me out of all kinds of potential disasters that have taken a lot of people like me in my positions out. So I choose foolish. 
I mentioned this before, but, but here are my foolish rules for life. My staff just rolls their eyes and call them Jim's dad rules, all right? Here's, here's my rules for life. And I don't violate them. I don't meet one-on-one with a woman alone or in an isolated room, all right? I don't eat a meal or have a drink one-on-one with a, a woman other than my wife or, or my daughter, all right? I don't ride in a car or travel out of town with a woman. And in any situation with my job demands that I do that, I include a third party in that equation, usually Micah. Come on, Micah. All right, here we go. All right, right. I, listen, I'm not being arrogant or vain thinking that every woman out there wants to have an affair with me. But the reality is, there are a lot of hurting, confused, lonely people out there. Right? And if I do my job, just hear me out, right? If I do my job in a, in a loving, compassionate way, if I teach what Jesus says is true, people, especially in brokenness, can confuse the messenger with the message. So when I get an email from a lady that says, I just have to meet with Jim because he gets me, alarms go off. Right? Thank you. I, I take that as a compliment, but I have surrounded myself with very capable, wise counselors who will do a much better job in what you're looking for than, than meeting with me. And here, here's the other thing. This isn't just about broken women out there I don't trust, right? The truth is, I'm an imperfect man with my own brokenness. And in my bad moments, in my weak moments, my lonely moments, I know me. I am very capable of pushing the Holy Spirit aside and going, okay, one time's no big deal. I have that potential. So no exceptions. Why? Look back at Proverbs again. The prudent, the wise person sees danger and hides. But the simple person goes on, it's no big deal, suffers for it. So I'd rather be wise and run from danger than make a foolish mistake and suffer for it. And cause Robin to suffer for it. And my kids to suffer for it. And this church to suffer for it. Again, overreaction? Uh, Maybe. Let's go back to the very beginning of this talk. Very few of our biggest mistakes and regrets started with a goal of blowing up our lives, but we did. Almost every one of them started with, okay, this probably isn't wise, but it's just this one time. Nothing's gonna happen. I was listening. I have a friend who's a preacher down in Jacksonville, Joby Martin, pastor of a church called 1122. Awesome church in Jacksonville. I, 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 I contacted him this week and go, I'm totally ripping you off this week. And he says, I rip you off all the time. So here we go, right? So, so look at this. This is so good. If you have your, your phones, you want to remember this, right? Sin is not an event. That's what we always think about. I did this, right? Sin is not an event. It's a journey and it's going someplace. Isn't that good? Look at this. Sin will always take you further than you planned, cost you more than you can pay, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and hurt you far more than you can imagine. Anybody been there? See, nobody says, I'm gonna blow up my life today, but we do it all the time, followed by this. If I had, if I had known, if I had known there had been this kind of consequences, if I had known it would cause this much pain, it would cost this much, then I wouldn't have done it. Proverbs says, God says it, wisdom says it, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you do know. You do, you're just in denial. We argue with God. It seems right to me. And God says, I'm telling you, it's gonna lead to death. And we say, I'm gonna keep on going. And it's foolish. Jesus will tell us through his word and through his spirit, this is, this is the way to go. And we will either listen to him and obey him or we will keep on going and we will suffer for it. Maybe not right away. We might get away for it, with it for a month or two or a year or two. But eventually it all comes crashing down. Actually, it all comes down to one word. Who do you trust? Do you trust, do you trust that Jesus loves you? Do you trust that Jesus wants good for you? Do you trust that Jesus knows the best way for you to experience an abundant life? 
Let, let me give you a, a few more verses in Proverbs. If you were going to, like, after all this series is over, there, there's, these, there's these, a couple verses that I wanted to memorize. These next couple verses are going to be like, I want to memorize those because they're great for how I'm going to kind of choose to live my life. Look at the very famous verse that says this. Trust, let's just all say this together. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Isn't that good? Is, oh, we're going to do it again. School. Welcome. Yay, we're going to do this. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. So let me, let me paraphrase that, all right? We have to learn to trust Jesus to tell us what to choose instead of leaning on our own understanding or our own feeling in the moment. And in order to trust Jesus, you have to get to know Jesus and what he is like and what he wants for you and be able to listen to his voice. And this, this says, and he will tell you, this is the path to take. Now, let me, let me throw this in because that might sound a little simplistic. Just listen and Jesus will tell you, right? Even though Jesus promises to give us direction in all areas of our life through his spirit, that doesn't mean, don't be naive, that doesn't mean you get baptized, you become a Christian, and automatically you start hearing God's voice clearly. Wouldn't that be nice? Came up out of the water, I hear you, Lord. No. See, learning to trust Jesus instead of what feels right in the moment, getting to know Jesus and being able to listen to and discern what Jesus is telling you to do, that is a learned skill set that takes repetitive practice and discipline to be able to do it just like any other learned discipline. And the more you practice it, the better it becomes at seeing it become a normal practice in your life. It's kind of like, like, like muscle memory. I'm trying to listen to God's voice, right? And it will seem awkward and clumsy at first. Like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. But then it will get better, but it'll still take a lot of effort, but eventually it will become like the new normal for your life. Like, like Jesus, Jesus, said, I, Jesus said, I don't even talk unless the Father tells me what to say. I don't do anything unless the Father tells me what to do. And then he says this because the connection, the conversation that was, was an ongoing conversation, always running in the background of Jesus' mind and heart. He was always in contact with his Father through the Spirit. That's the goal. When the old situations and temptations hit you, what used to take you out of the game, eventually over time, you're able to push them aside and move away from them before they do to you what they used to do to you. Every time. Have you ever prayed that prayer? What, again? I did it again? Yeah. Now you got a spirit living in your life. Let me just, again, I don't want us to be naive. That doesn't mean that the old temptations and the old habits and the behaviors are gone forever or they won't try to come back and ambush you. Listen, trust me, by experience, there are parts of my life where I'm going, I think I'm good. I don't think I have to worry about that anymore. And then out of nowhere, bam. It'll trigger me and it will, it'll surround me, it'll wrap itself, it'll own me, it'll try to pull me back and pull me back down. And that's when I have to run, not to how I feel. If I run to how I feel, I'm going down every time. But I'm gonna run back to what I know Jesus said is true according to his word. That's our only hope of survival, folks. So let me, let's just talk to the room, all right? What if, because we all have stuff going on in our head right now. What if right now you find yourself I'm already in an unwise situation. I'm already pretty far down the wrong path. Like, like, hey, this message would have been really helpful about two years ago. Or like me, here's what some of you are thinking. I, I, I think I'm doing fine. I, I, I do. I think, I, I think I've beat that or conquered it, whatever. Then out of nowhere, I find myself right there at the same crosswords, trying to, crosswords, trying to figure out, am I going to do this right or wrong? And sometimes I do it right. Sometimes, what, what are we going to do now? 
right? Look at this. This is, this is back in 1 Corinthians. By the way, I, I keep coming back to 1 Corinthians because this fall, we're going to study all the way through the book of 1 Corinthians, right? Because it's so good, all right? But look, Paul writes this. And, and, and right before this, he says, hey, I want to remind you of when the people left Egypt to go to the promised land. They were so cocky. They were so arrogant. They go, oh, we got all this there. And they fell one after another, over another. So that's what he's referencing here is, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Paul says, don't ever get to the point where you think, all right, Christians, I'm talking to you, all right? And you would call it confidence. You would call it faith. You'd even call it healing. But really, there's some arrogance in there. Where you think that what used to be a problem for me won't or can't ever be a problem for me ever, ever again. A lot of us have said that right before we fell. Stay humble and realize the only reason that you're still standing, the reason some of us are still married, still alive, is not, it's not because of like strength and effort, but it's because of grace. Paul goes on, he says, now be careful, don't fall down. He says, look at this, no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to everybody. Let me paraphrase it. Ongoing temptation in all shapes and forms is gonna be a part of every person's life on the planet and it won't stop until you and I are in heaven. It'll last all the way right up to our funeral, all right? But in the meantime, in this life, here's what Jesus promises. He says this, God is faithful. God is what? God is what? Right, that's the opposite of liar, so if this isn't true, then he's a liar. So God is faithful, and God will not let you be tempted. There's not a period there. See that? Which means he will. God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, God will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I used to teach this passage and compare it to, to like lifting weights, like you find yourself on the bench, all right, and it's too much weight and it's about to crush you, and it's a metaphor for God will either spot you uh, and, and, and help, help you lift the burden or get you out of it before it crushes you and kills you, and I guess that's possible. That's a good application. But if you use that application, it means this. God isn't going to be faithful to you until you're about to be crushed. Right? But what I have found in my own experience is that the best way for God to provide a way of escape, whether I'm already in the tempting situation or when I know that it's always there waiting to attack me and bring me down, the best plan for escape is to have an intentional plan to not end up under a crushing bar. Does that make sense? See, it's not enough. I'm going to get really specific here based on the conversations I've had in the last three weeks. It's not enough for any of us to say, I'm just not gonna get drunk anymore. Well, good for you. That's not enough. You have, to re you have to make a plan to replace whatever it is that drinking used to do for you. Every alcoholic in here will say, yeah, it's not just not, I have to do something instead. It's not enough to say, I'm gonna get better at controlling my anger. I'm gonna try really hard to figure out my finances. I'm gonna be working really hard on my language, my whatever it is that keeps leading me back into panic and regret and, and sin. Listen, I don't care how strong you are, that will last for about five minutes and then you'll make a mistake and you'll throw in the towel and quit again. I'm, I'm gonna talk to men specifically here. It's not enough to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna look at porn ever again. That was the last time. How many times have we said that? Hundreds. You, we, we have to make a plan for next time. And many of you understand this, that overwhelming darkness starts wrapping itself around our brain and starts that downward spiral that always ends in the same place of shame and regret. 
We gotta make a plan. If you're gonna trust in the Lord and acknowledge him, know him, then you get better get to know him better so you can trust him more. How? I'm gonna say this every week until I'm dead, all right? You need to be in his word. Write it down. I need to be in his word. I need to be in church. I need to read my Bible every day. I need to pray every day for guidance. You need to make a decision today to do that, not next Sunday. Am I gonna get out of bed or not? Am I going to go to the baseball game or the soccer game or are we going to make the decision now so it's not a decision later? I will study God's word every day. You do it with the gym. You do it with how you eat. We're not, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And you know what? You don't even think about it anymore. You say, this is how I live my life. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. It's a start. It's a, it's a discipline. Be in his word every day. Next, you need to develop a strategy. See, you have to get up off the... This is gonna sound really not very nice. Pray, but that's not enough. Read your Bible, but that's not enough. Get, close your Bible, get off your knees, and stop just thinking about it, and get to work. Do something. You have to intentionally do something if you wanna see things to change in your life. And I'll give you an, admitting that, hey, I really like to be healthy, I'm even praying that I'll become healthy. You know what? That won't make you healthy. If you continue to sit on the couch praying to be healthy, eating Doritos, it just won't. God won't zap you. He could, he just doesn't do this. God won't zap you and go, I'm healthy. I didn't even do anything. I just got healthy. No, you have to eat different and exercise different over a long, long time. It's the same with being able to hear God's voice. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and then I didn't think about it the rest of the day. But you're not gonna hear anything. Ongoing. Let me give you one more. You need to be in a community of wise people. You are never supposed to no one can follow Jesus instead of you, but you were never supposed to follow Jesus by yourself. It's all about community. Here's a famous one. Memorize this one, all right? Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. We, we, we have the ability to make each other better. Being in community is not a replacement for the work that only the Holy Spirit can do, but the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, works through the community of people that we are a part of. That's what he does through Robin all the time. It's what he does through some men in my life all the time. Let me talk to men really, really quick, all right? If you have your phones, all right? Here's, I want, I want you to take a picture of this, all right? In August, we're having Rocky Mountain Men's Summit up at Frazier again. It's sold out in about five minutes. Last time, there's only 500 spots. I'm really excited about this. On September the 27th, we're having a men's integrity conference. We're gonna try to fill, we're going international with this. We're gonna try to fill up this room that I'm standing in with men from all over the country, all right? Then we're gonna go online and try to get another 20 or 30,000 men to tune in for three hours of running after sexual and intimacy and integrity, right? It is a big deal. 70% of evangelical Christian men have a sexual addiction. Seven out of 10 of us. It's better with pastors. It's only 60% of pastors have a sexual addiction. So we're so much better, all right? But if you go to flatironschurch.com on the front page, you can click on that link and you'll get on a list so when registration opens up, you won't miss out on that, okay? Make a plan. Pray, read your Bible, come on a retreat with us. So let's, let's, let me get out of here, all right? So what specific area has the Holy Spirit been bringing in your, up in your heart and your mind? What have you been thinking about for the last 30 minutes? And wisdom would say, Jesus says, hey, it's dangerous, and I'm telling you, he's not gonna force you, he's not gonna make you, but wisdom is clearly telling you, this needs to be out of your life. This needs to change. This is, get, get away from it. What, what is that for you? And if Jesus is faithful, you know what it is. 
You're sitting, you got a voice saying, hey, we need to get this out of life. I gotta get this out of my life. But if you have that voice going on in your, in, your, in, your, in your heart, right? There's another voice going on too, isn't there? There's a conversation in your mind and your heart that's saying, don't listen to him. This is no big deal. You would get in so much trouble if anybody found out. And it's not hurting anyone. And it's not gonna go too far. And it's not gonna get out of hand. Or here's the, some of us, I'm in so deep now. Why try? No matter what, the voice is saying, go with how you feel. Keep going. There won't be any suffering if you're careful. This is what's going on in our heads right now. I wanna go back and close with those statements from my friend Joby. Sin will pull you in further than you planned on going. And be honest, it already has. We're carrying so much shame that nobody knows about. But we do because we're in deeper than anybody, anybody knows. Sin will cost you more than you'll be able to pay. Some of us are going, no, I, it won't, it won't, it won't. But I'm not gonna have anybody raise their hands. How many, how many people say, sin cost me my marriage? Sin cost me custody of my children. Sin cost me all my finances. Sin cost me all my peace. Sin will hurt you more than you could possibly imagine the moment it all comes crashing down, and it will. And if God is good, and God wants good for you, and God is merciful, this won't make sense, but you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about. He will rearrange the universe so that your sin comes crashing down. And it's exposed because he's good and he wants good for you and you and your life and your marriage and your family will not, cannot survive what's going on forever. It's a matter of time. The wise man, the wise woman who listens to the spirit, sees danger, makes a plan and gets away. The foolish man or woman keeps on going and suffers. Which one are you? told you so. You're either going to love this or hate it. I pray you love it. Let's stand up at all our campuses. Let me pray and let's, uh, let's worship. God, there's a lot of conversations going in our head right now. A lot of them are panicky because we know, God, what we know what you're saying to us and it's just, it's so scary. It's so like, if I bring this into the light, if I stop this, if I start this, if I change this, whatever that is, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what my life would look like without this, but God is faithful. And whatever it is that's coming at us, he will put his arm around us and say, I won't let it crush you, I promise. And I'll walk through this with you, I promise. And on the other side is freedom. And on the other side is peace. I know we can't see it from where we are right now. But if we'll just put our faith and trust in you, instead of how we feel, because that hasn't worked out well at all. But if we would just trust in you, Lord, with all of our heart and not our own understanding, if we would just acknowledge you, You'll show us what to do when we leave these rooms in about five minutes. You'll tell us what to do and you'll tell us how to do it. Help us hear your voice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.